Right, welcome to Inspector Goals, the pod that tries to improve our FPL play through a more analytical approach. I am joined by Sam once again after a long hiatus. How are we doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. Doing well. <laughs> um, <laughs> Third time lucky with this. It's, it's funny to be doing it again, saying the same thing, but basically, in summary, looking forward to podcasting again. Bad start to the season, but overall, yeah, life's good. How about you? Yeah, it's um, it's good. It's good, mate. Uh, it's been too long, definitely. Some of it was our fault. We um, had life going on, so we had to uh, had to not not do one one of the weeks. I think just before, but then obviously the the games being cancelled, and then then uh, half a game. It's um, it's kind of changed things, and I'm quite I'm happy in a way because I think the first six weeks they were uneventful, should I say, for most of us. I think um, so. It's good to have some decisions, I guess, but at the same time, I kind of miss just the easy street. Uh, I'm on wildcard this week, so stress is through the roof as usual, and we'll yeah. find out about you soon, I guess. Well, I guess it's just it's interesting what you say because I think it's been boring because everyone's teams are so similar. Because mm. I like I feel like I've had a really bad start to the season, yeah. and I'm, but I'm just just inside the top two million. But I'm only about you know, most of my mini leagues, you know, were the ones with friends where there's maybe 50 people in it mm. and 30 30 points off top, and then those people at the top are like hundred thousand or whatever. So I think everyone's really really bunched up. I don't know if it's more than usual. It feels like it is. Yeah, it's nothing. Thirty points is nothing, isn't it? Yeah. You can easily work that, work away on that. Not a problem at all. Uh, it's just, it's just those little things, isn't it? You know, um, Sanchez in goal, for example. If you had him, probably did pretty well out of the first six weeks in general. You know, stuff, stuff like that. I guess. Obviously, if starting with Haaland and the sooner you adopted him as as being a captain, probably helped as well. Outside mm. that, there's not, there's not too much I would have thought between people. It's way better now. Now you've got to try and be honest with yourself and work out well when where did you make bad decisions and where have you been a bit unlucky and if you've had a really good start try and work out where have you been fortunate and where have you made good decisions it's like for me straight away with the keepers I went Ward and Iverson but I think looking back that probably is a mistake um just mainly because of the fixtures I guess it was really tempting because they're both 4.0 um if the fixtures were what's coming now (laughs) and maybe some people will do it um I think it would have been a better decision um but I, I was too lured into that I think Whereas one of, my, one, of my, one of my other main decisions going with Saka, even though that was really slow to start and he only had one assist in his first three games when they'd scored like nine goals, I think that was a good yeah. decision and a bit more unfortunate. And kind of that's, I suppose, more proven to be the case in the last few weeks where I've still had him in his returns. So you've got to try and, got to try and work that out, I guess, to try and improve. Absolutely. I think I think uh, most of us that can count ourselves unlucky that had, I mean, I started with Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson. Um, that didn't go as well as it should have done, in my opinion. Obviously, Liverpool apparently <clears> fell off a cliff for the six weeks. And then having Cancelo and Edison, despite their data being ridiculously good, um, I think they kept three clean sheets so far, if I remember rightly, so half, um, which is fine. But you probably would have expected more. If it does feel like sort of one shot, one goal for the teams they've, they've faced. And then um, Edison obviously paying that extra money over Sanchez. But I don't think that's a bad decision, really. I think Edison was a fine pick. You know, I just you have to suck it up. I think he was okay for the first six weeks. Anyway, we don't want to we don't want to look back too much on this pod because it will probably end up being too long. And it's so, it feels like football so long ago now. So I think we can look forward, and that's the idea, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's a definitely an interesting time to look forward to. And hopefully, we see uh, yeah teams be a little bit, a little bit more different now. I think even amongst wildcard teams, actually, from what I've seen starting to see a bigger difference than I saw in teams at the beginning of the season. And on top of that, you've got lots of teams who aren't wildcarding as well. So mm. hopefully now it gets a bit more bit more exciting. It will, but I still think this week has kind of made the decision for most people. Um, and That's true. To, yeah. to then wildcard and therefore teams will be quite similar. But you don't need to worry about that. That's the bottom line. We don't need to care about um, the wider the wider public's games. And also even on Twitter, I think we always fall into that trap of worrying, don't we? So I think you just have to pick the best team for you. And it will be team dependent, but... I think um, the events this week will probably have, have, have funneled it a little bit. Um, and that's all you'll see on Twitter, of course. So it's, it's, it's good to remind yourself that that is not a true representation of the main game, I think. Yeah, but I would also say that a lot of people are just going to wildcard in game week 8 and 9 anyway. So I don't know if it's actually made a huge difference. I guess yeah. for a lot of people, it's just bought it forward a week. Or, yeah, that's or what pushed it's done it. for me, yeah. Yeah, and, and people were going to wildcard in game week 7. This has been pushed back a week. So those people... We're going to be more different. That's now more similar to eight, mm. um, and yeah, same with people from nine. Maybe moving it forward. So yeah, maybe a little bit more similar for that reason. But generally, most seasons you do see, like particularly in the Twitter bubble or amongst people who are more engaged, like set times when people do uh, wildcard, particularly around the first international break, which we're close to now. Definitely. 
Right, let's uh, let's move forward. So up on the screen, hopefully you guys can see fixtures. This is from uh, Holly Shand, at Holly Shand, if you want to follow her. Um, I've just picked this off of Twitter, taking it off her. I haven't even asked her, so cheers, Holly. Thanks for this. Um, I'm sure I'll DM you afterwards retrospectively, and thank you, um, and ask for permission. Uh, as you can see, I'm not sure if the the actual colours from here um, have had any weighting. I think they've taken it either straight from FPL's site or she's done her own one here where the, basically the top teams are in red. Um, it's, it's quite basic in terms of red, white and green, but I felt it was just a um, very clear representation. And I think in general, we all know the fixtures from here till 16. There's only eight games until we're all forced to wildcard and the teams nearer the top will, um, will obviously have the better games, which is a bit different from how the season started, as we alluded, because we had the very best teams in the game um, with the, the best fixtures. And now, at the point where people are looking to either change it up or probably wildcard, um, it's a bit different. Any concerns? <laughs> um, no, I was, was going to... Just exactly what you just said then. Another, another reason why it's been quite a boring start to the season is, like you said, good teams have got good fixtures. Whereas we've now got some awful teams with good fixtures, so um, you probably have more of a range in players that in, in teams people pick players from. Um, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I just think it's an interesting. Like, it is there is a clear swing? That's the main thing, I guess, right now. It is, and having Liverpool down the bottom there. I mean, some people would argue the way they've been playing, they're not that concerned. But for me, still having the likes of Chelsea, Liverpool, you know, Man City in that bottom half even Spurs just about. Um, these are the teams we kind of relied upon and Arsenal obviously as well, the bottom three in those opening weeks. So you can see why it makes sense for the, the shift to, to change your team around, but I don't think the concern will dip because if we move on to this next slide that I've got here, this is from at we rogue, at we, W-E-E underscore rogue. Uh, highly recommend following him, uh, analytical guy on Twitter produces these graphs obviously if you're listening on the pod you won't be able to see so i'll try to explain it a little bit um it's basically giving the attack and defense ratings for each team uh, versus the average premier league opponent so these are projections um and it will have had these from the very start of the season and the icon is obviously where it positions that team um on the axis so you can see right at the very top right hand corner the very best team by a distance is man city obviously um and then we've got you know, Liverpool not too far behind. Then we've got sort of a nucleus of, of Chelsea, Arsenal and Spurs. And Brighton have kind of worked their way into that as well. And then basically everyone else um, who's just behind that. You can also see the, the shift, hopefully, that takes into account the last six games. So um, it's moved the icon. So, for example, Chelsea, they uh, were, were better in both areas. And over the six, last six games, they've dipped quite dramatically they're probably the team that's had the biggest shift in those six now how much you take from six games is obviously um, down to every individual I, I personally don't take too much but this is try to represent or show how you know versus the long-term data how those six games have impacted so I kind of like it it gives you that feel of of where the teams really are and and obviously they can go back very quickly as well but it's, it's quite eye-opening I think in certain teams I mean for example Liverpool um, they've barely moved despite the results <coughs> not being very good their underlying data has obviously remained pretty strong. Um, how, how much does that Bournemouth match play into that? I wonder. But yeah. then, even even with it being adjusted for fixture difficulty, the fact they scored nine in that one game, like that's the danger, isn't it? Of a small sample size, and we're able to try and mm. maybe pick out those things and try and put it into context. Um, but I think it probably does demonstrate that the the disaster at Liverpool probably isn't quite as disastrous as maybe we perceive it to be based on what we read in the media. And then particularly when you take into account the fact they've had uh, injuries in key positions uh, as well. Uh, and a lot of those players are returning. The fact their main uh, signing, the main striker got banned for three games after the second game of the season, or after the first game. Um, the fact they've still not moved despite that shows, yeah, m makes it scary going without them maybe now, even despite them having bad fixtures. Mm. Maybe we shouldn't be as comfortable with that as maybe a lot of people are. Yeah, I mean, they have moved a little bit. They've moved, uh, they've got worse defensively over the last six. Um, and I think that's fair from what I've seen anyway. But it just reminds us that this does weight heavily on um, historical data or long-term data. It puts more weight on that and then obviously just tries to show that shift. So I think, like you just said there, with Thiago and Matic back, again, it was one game and it was in the Champions League, but Liverpool did look straight away 
a lot better in that first mm. game. I don't think it's as simple as just those two players come back and they're better. I don't think anyone can question that Thiago and Matip are probably an upgrade on Gomez, who, although apart from the game against Napoli, was actually okay, but that was probably one of the worst performances by a player I've ever seen in 45 minutes. Um, and I don't think there's any argument that Thiago is a massive step up from Milner. Um, so... Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they just crack on as they were. Um, the Chelsea one as well, where they've dipped a lot, we have to bear in mind they've now lost their manager, haven't they? And Potter's come mm. in. So how much you can take from, from that um, is questionable. Yeah, uh, Where do you oh. see that going while we're on that? Do you think that Potter will instantly improve Chelsea? They've obviously got the games from now to, to do well. Do you think that they'll start performing at a better rate or match what we expect? Or how do you see that going? Uh, yeah, I think they'll improve straight away, but I think that's mainly because of fixtures. I think we'd probably start to see an improvement now anyway under Tuchel. Um, but in general, in terms of Potter, I think he's a really good manager, so I'm really excited to... Well, everyone, there's nothing new is that everyone knows he's a really good manager. So I'm excited to see what he does now at a team um, that are just very, very different. To know, in a team that can be competing for trophies, um, to know, probably managing bigger characters, uh, more of a budget to play with, etc., um, yeah, I'm interested to see how that applies because we've seen because his career is ridiculous. I was looking at it on on uh, just the other day, and in 2011 he was managing Leeds Carnegie, <laughs> and then he went to Ostersunds, promoted them up three divisions, Swansea, Brighton, and then suddenly he's managing a team that won the Champions League two years ago. It's he's, properly mad. He's done the football like, manager path, hasn't he? He's taken yeah, the hard yeah. route. He hasn't just logged in and picked Man City. He's smashed like it. Sarri, a bit like Sari did in Italy, I think. Nice. Um, as well like it's yeah it's crazy so yeah I don't know I always think it's hard to know but in general I probably predict he generally does well but in terms of picking Chelsea players even if they hadn't have switched the manager I think now is probably a good time to get them anyway because of the change in fixtures um, but the thing that makes it interesting isn't it if you're wild carding now is that they blank straight away mm. and if, if they didn't if this is where wild cards in nine might be a bit different is you might have a, a second Chelsea player in there or have a Chelsea player if you didn't have one before and is similar with like Leicester having an initial bad fixture and then like five really good ones would more people have Madison if that was the case it's knowing how much you book in transfers um but yeah in terms of Chelsea and Brighton there like it wouldn't be surprising if they now just switch and go in the other direction yeah and um, now that Pot- now that Potter's switched um and I think Arsenal's interesting as well um I think a lot of people think thought they would be better this season I think we've just we've seen that so far um yeah definitely and I'm interested to see how that continues Definitely. And I think I like something you touched on there about booking and transfers. I think that's a, a big topic this, this week for those on wildcard, definitely, and mm-hmm. how much you do it. One other team I just want to draw, well, two teams actually I just want to draw to is Crystal Palace. Now, we can see there, obviously you can't see if you're on the pod, but they have dipped um, quite a lot defensively. Now, bear in mind, I know they've had tough games, but this is based on the out versus an average Premier League opponent. So it has accounted for that. Um, and yet they've still dipped. So basically, they performed mm. less than they were uh, less well than they were expected, even in the tougher games. Now they go on a very good run as well soon. I think most people, if they are looking, I'm probably looking at them offensively in the likes of Zaha. But I think if you're looking in terms of the defenders, um, you know, should we take into account the fact that these six games have had that dramatic effect? Do we expect that to continue, or do we go back to last season? I think that's a very tricky balance to look at because I, I would favour the long term and think, well, Vieira's fine and it, and it will be okay, but. Um, there's certainly an argument to say that that is a significant change. Yeah, uh, I think in general I'd always favour last season, even after just six games, um, unless there's been something obvious that's changed in terms of a player that's left, for example, or a major change in management. But that's not the, not the case at Palace, so it's, particularly defensively, which you mentioned. I think it's identical, isn't it? Yeah, I think probably the only main thing for Palace is they've lost Gallagher, where obviously he's not defensive, but he does offer a lot in terms of pressure and pressing mm. the ball which can have a massive knock-on effect. But again, when you end up talking about one player having a massive... I know the players can have a massive effect on the team, but would you have thought Gallic would have that much of an effect on the team? Maybe so, maybe so. I don't know, but mm. it's tricky. Yeah, like, yeah maybe. Um, but I do think this is, like, is in the fact that it's adjusted for fixture, di- fixture difficulty like mm. makes it instantly really interesting and it suddenly requires a bit less context uh, uh, as well. Because, you know, if you just look at... If this was just comparing the... Uh, expected goals scored versus expected goals conceded in these six matches versus last season it really doesn't tell you a lot at all no. you'll just see the you'll see the good teams generally doing well the bad teams generally doing badly um and but that can change so much based on fixtures can't it so i think this is such a good graphic mm-hmm. um that we rogues 
put together like and and um yeah and, but whereas a good comparison between palace to pa- palace is chelsea where chelsea have had that drop off but again this is where you've got to put the thought into it and there might be an obvious reason you know it might well rudiger's gone hasn't he yeah so, i think losing their two like, certain midfielders as well has just exactly. been massive hasn't yeah. it for them yeah yeah so i think you've got to uh that's what that's what you've got to try and work out at this stage but i wouldn't be put off palace at this point personally i think no. they're still a really good really good defensive side yeah i think they'll be all right um, the fact is they don't have a game this week don't they? and there's other options so we probably won't go there but it's like you say if you look at it from sort of 9-10 onwards especially after the Chelsea game they start to get a little bit interesting and then um, you could maybe argue to start with one on your bench because then they can use they're cheap enough to maybe bench and then you can possibly use them in 12 um, when uh, I can't remember who it is now Man City and Arsenal blank I think it is um, so yeah they serve a purpose I think um, yeah just just don't buy Forest players <laughs> take away from this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Nico Williams is an interesting one, right? He's 4.1 yeah, million. Yeah. Obviously, he's done his actual threat data in the six weeks has been pretty damn good. Um, obviously, playing a wing back. Um, I think it's more just because of his price. So you're happy to, to pick him and play it uh, oh, and just leave yeah. him on his bench. But actually, starting him, um, scary to me. He actually seems to have lost corners as well last week. I don't know if anyone noticed, okay. but more t- um, Gibbs White started taking corners. Now, I don't know whether that's going to continue. It could just revert again. They scored from one of the corners that he took. So that takes quite a lot of threat away. Um, so suddenly you're probably, I mean, you're probably relying on clean sheets anyway. To rely on a goal or assist for a, for a defender is, is probably not the best look, but you take those away and I think suddenly he's probably not quite as good of an option as he as he likely likely was to begin with, especially when you compare the fact that there are other options that are just a tiny little bit more expensive that I think you're probably better. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. But he, he is the best, isn't he, at that price in terms of if, if you're going to have a player on the bench. I think him, and, him and Patterson are 4.1, I suppose. Between them, it's kind of tricky to say which one's best, I think. But, but so far this season, though, like you said, I mean, I was, I was partly joking when I said don't buy any Forest players, but it's almost true. I think he's the only one you consider, isn't mm. he? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it doesn't mean you look at this graph and you discount everyone at that bottom end, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to see that change in performance. Yeah. West Ham's an interesting one as well. It is, it is, and this is yeah, this is the thing. I mean, this is how this is how the teams are rated, and and obviously they shift. But then you have to take into account the fixtures. They're not playing versus an average Premier League. This is versus an average Premier League opponent, right? So mm. the opponents do differ in 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 how good they are. So that's part of the reason why we're doing this. Is it's scary to pick some of the teams that are performing less good, but then they are going to start playing, you know, probably worse than an average Premier League opponent. So you'd hope that their data would improve. Yeah, it's just interesting that you look at West Ham and see, oh, they've actually improved uh, defensively. Because I don't know, I suppose that just says a lot about how like free flowing they were in terms of scoring last season. Um, like last season, they were so readily scoring goals. Mm. Maybe their defense wasn't that great last season. Um, it was more um, just their attack. Yeah, their attack's got worse, hasn't it, so far? But we'll see. We'll come on to Bowen, I'm sure, and West Ham defenders. We definitely will. Um, right, let's move on to uh, our teams then, because this is what's going to generate the chat, I think, in general. Just about we generally don't don't like to show our teams on here, but I think this week, well, one of us is wild carding, one of us is not spoiler, um, and also this week is very heavily about selection uh, and how it will generate, you know, the chat about which players we want moving forward. I think it's worthwhile. So. I'll switch to Sam's team. So, Sam, talk us through your team and your decisions. Yep. Um, so, I've made this is my team having made three transfers. So, I, I had two free transfers um, to make, and I've made three for a minus four, um, knowing that when I did that, I could always go back on it, cancel out that hit and wild cards, because I was really, really 50 50 on it. Whereas now I've made the decision, uh, well, unless anything changes in press conference, to, is, press conferences tomorrow, that I'll just take the hit, because I'm really lucky, because Basically, I realised I could get to this team with a minus four, which was by taking out Dunk, uh, Salah and Archer for Kane, Bowen and Trippier. I could get all those three for a minus four. And it just looked really, really similar to uh, most wildcard drafts of the team. Maybe see, maybe just like two or three players difference in terms mm. of bench players. Apart from that, it's pretty identical. So I realised if I can get there for four points... Um, I'm in a good position. However, like I don't think there's any, much point discussing this team for or my decisions for a huge period of time because I do think for the vast majority, the best thing is to wildcard. I think I'm in, in quite a unique position in the way that my team was set up, that it makes sense for me um, not to. And the thing that can confirm the fact that I'm not going to wildcard unless anything comes out in press conferences tomorrow was 
uh, that cancellation of the Arsenal Man City fixture. Yeah. Because I was t- obviously I've taken the hit this week, but I, I anticipate now in 12 and 13 quite a lot of people will take hits and will take minus fours. Um, and so in in 13, being able to wildcard then freely before then be, to be able to take out City players, to take out those two Arsenal players up until then as well, and then to just wildcard in 13 and bring in triple City, triple triple Liverpool when a lot of them, a lot of people would have removed them then because they're playing each other in 11. City don't play in 12. To be able to wildcard in 13, I think I'm probably getting that minus ball back, just in other people taking hits. But I think overall, I'll get more points doing it that way and I'll get more of a benefit there. Um, but I think it's probably quite a unique situation. And the captaincy's on Kane, which a lot of people probably think is quite interesting. But um, yeah, he's very hard you to love Ka- You love Kane, don't you? <laughs> you absolutely yeah. love <laughs> yeah, I, I just I, I do love him. I think yeah, I just think he's the best captain this week. I think um, I think you just can't underestimate the the importance of expected minutes. You know, I think Kane will play ninety. I think Haaland will probably play sixty to seventy. I could be completely wrong. Um, and then uh, we know Kane's on penalties. I know Haaland probably is as well. But I, I just think with the fixture against Leicester as well, the fact the minus four was to bring in Kane. Again, gave me a lot more confidence in it because I'll bring in a captain, bring in a captain as well. Um, I'm gonna have to pitchfork so that. That's that's a that's an emotional decision there. We'll have to get the pitchforks out for that. The fact <laughs> that you minus four to bring him in means you've got to captain him. No, the other way around. The other way around. I want to captain him so the minus four makes. Right. Sense. Okay. Fair enough. That's what we want to dress <laughs> it up. No, I, I do. I do agree with what you're saying. Though I think that team um, looks. I mean, it looks incredibly close to a wildcard team. The only concern really is just playing Pereira and Nico Williams, but it's not the worst, is it? You, it's not the yeah. worst by any means. Um, Luckily, they've got both got good fixtures. Yeah, <laughs> against each, against each other. other. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think it's fine. I think that's good, and I think I think you probably will make up the points in in twelve. But I think, like you say, it's a very rare situation to be in like that. I actually really feel for people who have used their wild card. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's incredibly tricky, and I think there's going to be some people that um, are just outright screwed. To be honest, that have probably only got like four or five players, depending on who they've picked. Um, yeah. Yeah, nightmare situation. But this is the thing to remind yourself playing this game. There is a hell of a lot of luck involved, even in stuff like that. I mean, I could have easily just wildcarded if, if things didn't go particularly well in five or six because we all had that mantra at the very beginning of the season that there is a little bit less worth, um, has a little bit less worth, I should say, given that we have to wildcard in 16. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, Yeah, I think it's probably slightly better for people who would, have already wildcarded than maybe it was potentially going to be considering that the Spurs game is now happening and also the Arsenal game. Because I think if it wasn't for that, if all London or if all London fixtures were off, there would have been people out there who have already wildcarded who'd mm. have like four four players playing, and that would have been really brutal. It still is brutal, I think. But I think if you're in that position, you've just got to remember that like like maybe that costs you 20 points. And at the end of the season, that might be the difference between being 20k and 10k or 80k and 100k or something like that. So mm. you've got to, you've got to like try and look at the big picture although that's just it is unlucky yeah, yeah and frustrating i think you have to try your best to not free hit this week though i know everyone there's i've seen people trying to say well i have to and maybe that is the case but it just feels like because of the shift in fixtures as well most of the people you would want to bring on a free hit you would probably want to keep probably yeah. outsized maybe you know maybe some of the spurs players if it was like a one week thing or something like that um so therefore, to have your team revert the next week and then have to make a load of transfers to catch back up again, you're almost losing where well, you are. You're losing that free transfer as well. So I just think it'll be I'd, more useful later on in the season, probably. I'd go, yeah, I'd go further than that. I think for the vast majority, free hitting is a really bad decision because the benefit later in the season is so massive. And for, again, for the majority, you can probably, even if you're in a really bad position, you can probably get seven or eight out. So for the sake of just losing, missing out on three or four players... And also when you free hit, you miss out on the transfer as well. It's not just the fact that you um, yeah, you get the benefit of having to have whoever you want for that one week, but then that's a week where you've not used a transfer and you're back to one transfer for the following week. So I think just yeah, to say how it is, I think for the vast majority of free hitting is a really bad decision. Unless, I don't know, I've not seen anyone who's playing like four or five players, but maybe there are people out there. I'm sure um, there will be. I imagine most yeah. people have a, a, compared to the average, I'd expect most people will go up this week just because of that situation there will be people out there who have spanked it but they're probably not the people you're actually competing against in some of you know in the wider world um anyway. yeah tell your tell your mates in your mini league to welcome to <laughs> yeah no i will do don't try i'll be spreading that slander don't worry um let's move on to my team then and i i must 
caveat this with this is a draft <laughs> it could quite easily change because I'm not set on a lot of these options um, I'll just I'm going to read it out first for the pod and then my main dilemma so I've got Pope in goal with Ward as the backup I think that's pretty common um, I've got Cancelo Botman Trippier and Perisic at the back I've got Bowen Martinelli and De Bruyne in midfield Tony Mitrovic and Haaland up top and on the bench, I've got Madison, Pereira, and Justin. Now, I'll talk you through the thought process, first of all, with this team, and then my main worries. So, Perisic is in there because, well, first of all, I hope he plays, and I think it's an absolutely fantastic fantastic game if he does play. If I was to get news that he isn't going to start or he's unlikely, then that'll just be James. That's basically a booked-in transfer at the moment, Perisic to James. I see a lot of people starting with James on the bench, but I feel rather than target a midfielder then I'm probably going to switch over I like my upside of my defenders I always have you know I love my Cancelos and Perisic and all these guys so I think Perisic to James is kind of booked in which is a worry because he's booking in transfers right which is something we talked about Botman's there because he's got a good game this week and in 12 I think he's got a very good game as well when Man City and Arsenal blank so I feel like that's pretty much the only times I would hopefully use him would be this week and 12. If I have to use him another week, then fine. Newcastle's fixtures are okay, but he'll sit on the bench other than that. Likewise with Justin, that's his role there. So he he's actually got a decent game home to Leeds. They've also got good fixtures in general. Hopefully wouldn't have to play him at all, so he'll sit on the bench as well. He comes in because Martinelli, um, Haaland and Cancelo will be benched in 12. Um, Bowen, I don't think I have to explain too much at this point, but we'll probably get back to it in a minute. Um, yeah, Harlem Mitrovic, I don't think there's anything to say there. So likewise for Martinelli. I've gone for Tony, which is probably a little bit uh, controversial because I think Isak stands out. And then obviously the main man I'm missing is Kane, which is a big concern. I'll be, I'll be <laughs> honest. Uh, but the general plan there to go back. So Perisic will go to James next week. The week after that, um, I've written it down on my old school piece of paper. What was going to do? Madison to Zaha. So I'd actually lose Madison after after Forest. Sorry. So he'll play Forest next week, and then it will be to Zaha after that. And then I've got money in the bank for De Bruyne to Salah. So that was the general play. That means I'd rely on De Bruyne playing the home to Southampton game as well, which is in between two Champions League ties. So. Mm. That's fine, but that's planning a lot of transfers that will ne- it never really ever pans out like that, does it? And that's the yeah. that's the concern. Also, not having Kane. Now, my other thought process is to have Kane over Tony and then switch De Bruyne to Saka. Um, then just ride Saka for two weeks and then switch him to Zaha. I've, I really, I'm really torn because I, I think Tony solves a problem from now to the the very end. We saw his fixtures before. If you're just going to leave him in, I think actually long term. He comes out above Isaac. Isaac's got that explosive first three games, but Tony's got the longevity up to 16 if I just leave him in. And he's not too far off of Isaac in his projections over the first three. So I don't mind that. I think we're going with Kane. It's harder for me to get back on Salah is my only thing about doing that. But he is the probably the best captain. You could argue the best captain this week and you could argue the best captain 11 when he plays home to Everton, I think it is. Whereas I would probably have to do De Bruyne to Salah like I said there, and then Captain Salah at home to, to Man City or just Captain Harland, because I think that's I think that's okay as well. So what do you think? You think I should just have Kane and I'm being stupid? Uh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> yeah. I, I I think like overall your team is good. And uh but there are a few things I really don't like about it. Go on. I think um yeah, the Kane thing. I think for the reasons you've just said, I think Kane and not just well this week. This week, like Kane and Harland are both great captains, so I don't think it's a huge issue this week. But I think an eleven, like you've said, when Liverpool and City play each other, he's he's the obvious captain choice. So that's one main reason. I also think it's funny saying this to you because you're the uh, expert at predicting City's minutes. But I think De Bruyne seems like way more risky in comparison to Kane, not just because of minutes, but he's not on penalties either. Um, so I'm, in isolation, I prefer Kane to De Bruyne. But also, as you've mentioned. You'll turn to midfielder De Bruyne with Saka, who's also good. So I prefer that Kane-Saka combination. Um, in terms of Perisic, uh, <laughs> this is just where we're different players, though. But I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like Perisic. And he played 90 midweek, didn't he, as well? I just still don't really trust his minutes, to be honest, in the league, just based on the amount of minutes he played last time he was managed by Conte. He just never started regularly at all, really. 
who's very much in and out. Well, I'm hoping that Mr. O'Keefe, who's been doing those leaks, would will tell us beforehand. And if there's any doubt yeah. at all, I'll just because I've got the point five in the bank as well for that. It'll just be James in, and I'll just start Madison. Like that, sure. that's that's just if I get it pretty much confirmed, Perisic is playing, then I think I'm happy to chance the fact that he could do really well. Um, yeah, I will say though some things that surprised me when looking through review. I know Kane has got the better captain fixture this week, um, but his projections on review between uh, in, in the first four weeks, him and compared to De Bruyne, they're not too far off. I think okay. I think I think they're pretty close. So then, if you're not going to captain Kane, because I might be captain Harland, suddenly it's not as much of an issue. Um, my yeah. worry is more the, the De Bruyne minutes thing, right? That's that's the thing we've, we've already talked about. Also, in 11, where you said Kane is the best captain, his projected points there are 5.9, which is fine. Mitrovic is a 5.5. So worst case scenario, I could captain Mitrovic, and I don't think it's the worst idea ever. He's literally 0.4 off on review. Yeah. So do <laughs> I want to... It's the whole getting back to Salah thing. I know a lot of people in this yeah, chat yeah. might not want to get back to Salah. They might just be done with it. I'm certainly not done with Salah. I think he's going to be absolutely fine, and it's going to be it's going to be okay. And it just this makes it a little bit easier for me to switch from De Bruyne to Salah. I'm just not mm. happy with the timing. Yeah. It, it's really how much... You know, am I losing by not going Kane here? And when I look at the numbers here, it, it doesn't seem to be that much. But at the same time, I am nervous because Kane is obviously a very good option in in eleven and this week. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I would just, yeah, that makes sense. You said like it's not the the worst thing because you can captain Mitrovic, but he's, even if you like, just that week in general, even if you don't captain Kane, he's just he's going to be so captained by he's going to be captained by so many other people. And still, ultimately, still the best pick, I think, whether you look at the projected points or not, or how close Mitrovic is to him. Um, another, thing I, another thing I would say uh, in terms of, I don't like the Madison pick either. I, mean, I, I don't mind him at all in general, but you're basically just picking him for one one game week because you're benching him this week and then you're selling him in 10, I think you said. Yeah, so so you, he gets to play him. Forest and then I'm going to switch him to Zaha probably, but I don't have to. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't like that you banked in a transfer to just have him for one fixture against Forest, and because because you said you like Saka, you could just put Saka in now instead of Madison. Yeah, you'd have you'd have Saka for the North London derby, but it's, again, it saves you a transfer for, and I think this is one of the key things for, people. Yeah, for people wildcarding now is, is just not banking in too many transfers because of what you mentioned before about being scared of not being able to get Salah back. Yeah, but I want to touch uh, on that point about banking in transfers because I think no matter how you set your team up, really, you, you almost inevitably end up having to do it a little bit or at least plan simply because you have got that blank. And the end of the day, we do, I think most of us do want to have players. For, I mean, how can you not have Man City in your team? They are about to blank, but they've obviously got a very good game this week. Um, so you're almost booking, you're booking in transfers right now unless you're benching by having Man City players in your team for one. Mm. Um, you know, there are teams that blank this week that we probably want. So either you're booking them in or you're benching them. And even if you have Kane, I do feel like you are probably booking in transfers anyway, assuming you want to go back to Salah at some point. Because unless you're doing Threemium, I don't see how you can not have Haaland you know, if you're going to have Salah, then that means you're probably going to go from Kane to Salah. So are people with Kane not going to Salah? Or if they are, then they're booking in transfers as well. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, so I think everyone is booking them in. I've got a plan of them. It doesn't mean that that's the way they're going to go. I mean, for example, I don't have to do Madison to Zaha because Madison's fixtures are fine. I don't have to do Perisic to James next week because James is actually away to Palace. And, um, you know, my bench is okay. I could play Madison and Justin versus Forrest if I really wanted to. These are like in the ideal world. These are the transfers I would make if everything goes fine. I don't think it has to happen. Um, But maybe I'm thinking too much about getting Salah back in. Maybe I just need to not worry, play a little bit more short term um, or or rather long term in terms of um, not not worrying about how to get these players back in. Yeah, I think... um... In fact, it's a good point what you said about Madison. Like I said, don't get him because you only have him for one fixture. No, actually, just I would get him, but just don't sell him because his, his fixtures are so good, even compared to Zaha's. In fact, better than Zaha's as well for when you bring in Zaha. So I think that's where you can you save think, transfer. I think Zaha's yeah. comfortably better than Madison from from ten. I think. Bournemouth Palace. They're very, they're very similar actually. Like they both got Leeds and Wolves. They've got each other. The difference is that in that time, Madison has Bournemouth, and. Palace of Everton. So this is similar. But yeah, when they play each other, I guess you'd expect Zaha to do better, I guess. 
It's um, also the fact that I know Zaha does occasionally pick up or not. So I think Madison's injury record's a little bit sketchy. And then your favourite thing, penalties. You know, Zaha's obviously got them as well. Um, uh-huh. Again, that's an ideal world. I don't have to switch to Zaha. That's just if it's there. That's why Madison does does cover that off. Do you have any concerns about? I mean, Madison obviously plays for a team that are pretty much dreadful at the moment. I know their fixtures are good. <laughs> And also the fact that Brendan Rodgers could be on the verge of the sack. And I think last week as well, they switched, you know, Vardy didn't play. They played like a front two. Like, is he going to mess around with the formation, which could affect Madison? Is any of that a concern to you or, the, or you just ignore it? Uh, yeah, like overall how team how good the team is, I think is a little bit of a concern. But I'd be more concerned with the underlying attacking numbers rather than overall how, how well the team are doing. Because mm. if, if Madison's conceding goals, it doesn't really matter too much. You lose a clean sheet point. If they're still attacking well, you're okay. And I know they're currently not, also not attacking very well. Um, and, and then in terms of, um, uh, in terms of like Rogers maybe being sacked, I just think we just don't know what will happen, do we? You don't know what manager's going to come in, what's going to change, etc. So I don't think we can really base anything no, on that. I would suppose even if that happened, you'd, you know, Madison, Madison's going to play, isn't it? Whoever turned up there, I don't think that would that would be in debate. And maybe it doesn't matter if he plays two up front. I think. In the past, it's usually been better for Madison when Vardy has played, but I don't, you know, it's not it's not guaranteed by any means. But you know, these are these are things that, given it's Brendan Rodgers and he has been known to just completely change it round on a whim. I suppose they're in the back of my mind, but they're not enough of a concern to not have him because the fixtures are just too good. I think after this week, um, like you yeah. say, um, there's a lot of people mentioning Freemium in the in the chat. I have looked at a Freemium team and I actually quite liked it. Let's see if I can actually bring it up. I don't know. I haven't actually planned for this, so this could go horribly wrong. Um, I presume that's Haaland Kane De Bruyne yeah yeah well it would be De Bruyne for now let me see if this works I don't think it's going to work but we'll try but yeah while you're sorting that out as well I think again what you mentioned in terms of this structure and having De Bruyne yeah obviously a benefit of that is the easier switch to Salah isn't it it's not something I'd really thought through but I guess and what you mentioned about Tony in terms of being good long term that also makes the switch from Kane to um, salary easy as well because you know you've just got an easy person to switch in mm. um, to make up that money as well uh, so Tony's probably a solution isn't he for uh, for Kane owners for that switch eventually or it might become apparent by that point that Isaac's going to be great so um, I, I can't get this to work either I don't know, let me try it again do a dance or something <laughs> I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to do a dance I can talk about De Bruyne though if you want <laughs> Uh, as another thing with De Bruyne again I, we'll come to this later when you chat about the Man City minutes um, but yeah is that, is that for this just for this, this week specifically there's the Wednesday night and then 12.30 Saturday that's really unusual that happens with teams it's yeah. nearly always Wednesday Sunday and if it was Wednesday Saturday you know the difference between a 5.30pm kickoff and a 12.30pm kickoff like it's minimal but it might have a slight impact it, it might um, do. I mean, Pep literally said yeah. after Dortmund, if anyone wants to go on, City Extra is a good account to follow, just generally picks up most City news and um, or anyone who watched the game would have seen. that He, he said that, um, you know, they questioned him about his team selection versus Dortmund, basically, and he said, no, I've picked the best team for this week as far as I'm concerned. We'll change we'll change our player, as he said, for Wolves. But with Pep, you always have to be careful with the it's the language thing. It basically means he's going to change a few players when, when he's going to play Wolves. And you're right, there is a short turnaround. Now, De Bruyne is one of the older members in the in the group mm. um, his injury record's not great um, so there is a chance there is a very small chance that the Bruyne might not play this one I think he probably will but there is a chance definitely whereas with Kane you probably don't think there is right so that's another tick in, in Kane's in Kane's book um, but more so for me for this plan to work that I've got at the moment I would really need De Bruyne to play the home to Southampton game now that's slap bang in the middle of two Champions League games now he missed out let's not forget versus Forest just ahead of the Champions League it was Forest and Villa and he, he rested De Bruyne for that game. I think that's partially tactical because of the way they set up. But also, it makes sense to, given the nature of the games again, that De Bruyne will occasionally sit out some easier games. Now, I think we could go and say, well, if he wins the first Copenhagen game, they've basically got three for three wins, and then they play Southampton. I think he could probably rest him in the second Copenhagen game. Um, that would make sense to me. But... There's also the, I mean, at the end of the day, there's an element of doubt there. Me in the Southampton game, he could just play Bernardo Silva and Gundogan and give give him a game off. And if that would happen, that would really, really ruin this plan. So that's why I think, as much as I'm showing this draft, I actually do think that I probably will revert to Kane over Tony and Saka over De Bruyne. That's probably what I'll end up doing. Um, and Sounds then I'll, like I'll have to work out how to 
get Salah back in again, which is a nightmare. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But let's talk yeah, about some other players, well, well, but some other options that I've not picked or, or whatever. I mean, we both got Bowen. We may as well touch on that actually because we're obviously confident enough to bring him in. He's obviously done nothing. I see this on Twitter all the time. He's done nothing so far. He's he's not even registered a goal or an assist or whatever. Like, does that matter to you? Uh, I think that can matter. Like, if it's, if it's obvious that a team's got significantly worse, or if a player's moved to playing in a different position, or is clearly being played in a different role, then I think that can matter. But in terms of his like lower xG, even if you look at underlying data, his lower xG per ninety this season in comparison to last season, it doesn't concern me that much. I'm still more concerned with um, Bowen's career in general. And the last two seasons at West Ham than just the first six games within this season. Um, so that doesn't concern me too much. And also, we know there's a, ch- a chance he's on penalties now as well. I think so he's is, flout is on penalties. Yeah. yeah. And that, so, if anything, like it could be that he's an even better pick than last season. Um, and we are with those fixtures, I think he's a really good pick. And he's the kind of pick like people aren't going to pick him if they're not engaged in uh, thinking too much about FPL because he's not at the po- top of the points list. Um, but yeah, he was really good last season. Seems to be playing in a similar role, role, probably on penalties. Really good fixtures, so I think he's a really good, really good pick. Yeah, um, I'm I, not concerned. But... I absolutely echo that. I just see it all the time. Like buying play, buy, we're not buying the players' previous points. We're looking forward from this point. If players didn't change at all in their output, this would be the easiest game of all time. Like it can change. The fact that Bowen was ridiculous and now is not so good should show you that things can change in the first place. The fixtures are there. It could not work like anything because at the end of the day, I think that would probably be down to variance. His stats have dipped a little bit, but not enough for me to be concerned enough over six games. It comes down to that. It's the same with. It's almost the same with Sun, right? Which would solve a bit of my problem here. Like I would, I would have Sun over Kane. Uh, sorry, Sun. Well, over Kane and over De Bruyne in this spot here. The only thing with him is I think there's a there's a big movement at the moment to say that he might not play. And his minutes, I think there's a there's a realistic chance of that. That's why he's not in. Otherwise, I'd have Son. I don't care that he's not looked the best. He's home yeah. to Leicester. Um, you don't go from being one of the best players in the league to just totally shocking, just like that. It doesn't it doesn't happen that often at all. Um, yeah, yeah. Hmm. And even sorry, go on, mate. I'll just say, the only thing that stops me from doing it is the fact that Richarlison is clearly playing very well at the moment, and you know takes could potentially start ahead of him. Um, you know, if you if you could tell me now, if, if O'Keefe comes out and says Son starting the Leicester game, it, I may I may just go for him, even though it's booking in the transfer straight to Salah. Um, that would that would be something I'd be looking at definitely. It doesn't really concern me that he's not looked the best in six games. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I think um, particularly with someone like Son, where Son is literally the best finisher in the world. It's him what like <laughs> he actually is in terms of taking his chances, and if you look at his underlying data so far this season you'd his expected goals is about two so if he he could easily have scored like three or four goals this season because he typically you know outperforms his xg and then suddenly there'd be loads of people saying he's a must-own player mm-hmm. and that's just a result of finishing because we know the quality of chances he's had through xg so yeah i think he's um uh yeah still a really good pick it just is more down to minutes mm-hmm. um but then i have i know some spurs fans so the guys from Above Average podcast have been very big on him, generally saying that he's, his overall game has been poor. Mm-hmm. Um, so despite that, we know he's still getting chances. But yeah, but if that means that he's going to play less minutes, and it's, it's a good example like what we said with Bowen, not a lot's changed, but with Son suddenly now Rich Allison plays for the team, and we've actually seen it in action, him getting subbed uh, like 60, 70 minutes. Even midweek, he went off before Richarlison when they both started. So mm. I think I think there's reason to be concerned in terms of minutes. Yeah, yeah. it's the minutes. But thing. like I think when he plays, and uh, he will still start regularly. It's not like Son's going to suddenly mm. drop out the team. But like when he's his like goals per minute will be, I imagine, will be really similar to the last few seasons. And if he plays really really regularly, I think he'll get close to 20 goals this season. <laughs> I just do. Yeah, I think he's that good. That's it. I think I think it's just as likely that. A player can suddenly turn up and be very good after not playing well the last game as not play well. Does, mm. does that make sense? I think it's just as yeah. easy for Salah or Liverpool to suddenly turn it on at any point and be very good as it is that they just continue to not be good. It's like black. It's like going to the casino and you know constantly betting on black because it's been nine times 
Um, you know, the odds there are obviously 50-50, but here I, I think the odds are heavily in favour of Son and Salah being very good players and continuing to be so because everything tells us that they would be. So I think it's it's more of a, a good bet to suggest that they will come good at some point than it is to say, I'm going to wait until they look good, they score a few points, and then I'm going to get them. I don't really like or subscribe to that way of playing. I think you have to look forward and say, the fixtures are good, the player is good, the data has been good for a long time. And in some cases, yes, if it's had a little dip, there's a slight concern. But here, yeah. if the minutes are okay, then I think it's fine. And Sun potentially doesn't have the minutes, so that's why he's out. Yeah, and also just players play badly. It happens. <laughs> yeah. like players will put in bad performances. It's just the nature of football. Um, doesn't suddenly make them a worse player if a player has one bad game. Or even if they have three or four bad games. If we know they've been one of the best players in the league for the last three, four or five seasons. So, yeah, that's another thing that's key is like bad performances. They just they just happen. Um it's when they start to happen long term that obviously you become concerned, but we just don't know that yet this season. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Um, should we move on? Should we talk about the review team? Or yeah, I'll uh, just lastly just say I love your triple Newcastle defence. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't even realise that I had it until you just pointed it out. Um, yeah. yeah, that that's something that the review team has also picked on, but picked a different okay. three, which we're about to that's look a nice, at. Them. A nice segue. It's a nice segue. Yeah. So, um, talk us through the settings that you set and what we're doing here, because there will be some new people in the chat. Yeah, so in terms of, uh, we keep everything on, re- on review as default, but we move it to heavy, and then the, I can't think what the title of those things are, and then the level of depth, is it 10? Is that right, yeah, Luke? Yeah, Depth, which is the highest it can be. So it takes a while to do the... Um, projections. Uh, yeah, to, to come up with the projections and to come up with the team. And I suppose, in, in general, an in, in introduction to this team, this is basically a team we're running this season where we just do whatever FBL review says, Um to see how well it does it's currently just inside the top million so it's ahead of me at the moment but it's just really interesting to see we're just trying to learn from it i guess learn what things it does consistently that that surprises us and what things we can pick up on that does that it consistently does and then to see if we can beat it with the combination of the computer but combined with our own input yeah yeah and where you might gain that edge through knowing minutes uh through like strategy of when you use transfers etc um, and it, it's quite nice because obviously we had to decide when to wildcard with this team intuitively, but it just happened automatically for us because it had about five players playing this week. Mm. So that was set up nice and easily. Um, and then so the the team that the wildcard it's team it's come up with, this is a, an eight game week projection, is Leno in goal. That's interesting straight away. Um, Perisic, triple Newcastle defence, which is Shah, Trippier and Burn, Bowen, Saka, Martinelli, Solanke, Harland and Mitrovic with, with Harland captain. That's the starting eleven this week with the bench of Ward, Andreas, Salah and James. So it's kept Salah, which is interesting um, as well. Uh, <laughs> it's completely um, counterintuitive. Isn't it? This is what I love about this. Now, firstly, before I go on to the team again, um, bear in mind you missed the week by accident, did you, on review? And I think that week it would have scored like 20 points more than if you'd have actually done the transfer that it told you to do. So it would have actually been doing even better, but we just totally forgot to make the transfers. Who was, who, who was it who scored? I can't even remember who it was. He went mental when we didn't bring it. Was it McAllister? Or did we have McAllister and it was someone else? No, it, it already had McAllister. Um... I can't remember. I can't remember. No, I can't remember off the top of my head. Is someone went, someone scored a brace basically, and we didn't bring him in or something like that, which was mental. Uh, it might have been Tony for his hat trick even or something like that. Anyway, yeah. uh, what I like about this team is the fact that it's got triple Newcastle. Yet it's not picked two of the triple that I've picked, so that worries me straight away. Uh, don't get me wrong, I prefer Shah um, if I, if I could get to him, but I just don't have the money in the bank. Not sure about Burns' minutes though. I think between him and Botman, it's. It is debatable, and there is a chance that Botman can miss out, but I think reviews a little bit down on Botman's minutes for my liking. I also love the fact that it started Solanke, who is playing against that triple clean sheet from Newcastle. It does not give a shit, does it? It does. It's removed all bias. It doesn't care. It stuck Solanke in there. It's just because it's looked for the longevity and the value of that player, basically. And it just—I don't think that's anything a human would willingly do—is have a triple defense and then start the striker against them. Also, starting with Salah and benching him is just incredible. It's obviously trying to save those transfers later down the line. Yeah, and even if you like had made the decision that Solanke was best long term in your team, I think a lot of people say you just chose this. Say you just chose this team and wildcarded. Even then, just deciding who to start, I think a lot of people would be tempted to start Pereira just because. 
yeah, they don't want a player who's going to wipe out a triple clean sheet. Mm. There's something about that in terms of psychologically, we don't like the idea of it. It kind of removes the possibility of 11 players returning in your team, I guess. Maybe that's why. Yeah. It re- removes the chance of like a perfect game week. But And there's also that thing of like, imagine, I don't know, like imagine like if, if this was my team, I'd be like, I wouldn't want to watch that Newcastle game because I'd be thinking, if, imagine if Bournemouth score and it's not Solanke. Oh, I'm preparing just, myself for that already because like, I've got triple Newcastle defence. <laughs> the thing is, it won't even matter that much because I think most people on Wildcard have probably got Pope and Trippier. So it's one yeah. extra person lost. If he even starts, yeah. um, I just want to point out Perisic is there. Sam, do you see him there? Yeah, I see him. Yeah, the computer likes him. See, so I was onto something. Uh, and yeah. it doesn't have Kane. Yeah, that is true. Have <laughs> Kane. <laughs> so what do you know, mate? What do you know? Um, <laughs> I'm well guarding thirteen. I'm fine. <laughs> Don't worry about me, son. <laughs> no, I'm sure I won't have to. Right, let's move on to. We tried to cover just because I think. Uh, well probably a few people have come to this chat primarily just to hear me talk about City I guess um, so we try to cover that a little bit on here if we can uh, I've brought the two teams up that I think are possible uh, on the screen uh, we'll caveat this that um, we're doing this early right we've got the press conference tomorrow that could change absolutely everything and um, I'll put our final team as I always do taking into account uh, the press conference and anything else that comes out um, for me, I'll just read out the team on the left first of all, which I think is probably the most likely. It's Edison in goal. We've got Stones at right back, Diaz and Ake at centre back, Cancelo at left back, Rodri, De Bruyne, and Gundogan in centre midfield, Bernardo Silva right wing, Haaland up top, and Foden left wing. Now, the only difference, I think that, not the only difference, but the most likely difference, I think, would be to bring Bernardo Silva into midfield um, for Gundogan and play Alvarez on the right wing, which is what the fans are calling for. Everyone wants Alvarez to start. Um, I'm not sure he will, because I'm not sure if the game is the right setup for it. Um, but he did do well when he came on again versus Dortmund. Probably deserves to, to have a game. Gundogan's obviously getting on a little bit. And I think I actually think Bernardo Silva in centre midfield for Man City is much better. I just much prefer him there. His ability to receive the ball turn and bring the ball up the pitch is just second to none. And I, I actually would prefer to have the team on the right with Alvarez playing but I think given it's an away game versus Wolves I think it was more likely to be the team on the left I think um, in terms of the defence again I personally would like to see Cancelo at right back and see him put Cancelo uh, Ake at left back but I don't think he's going to do it I think that Diaz will just come back in uh, Akanji is there and he could easily play for either Ake or, or Stones Pep said about a week ago that Stones and Ake are unable to play games in quick succession at the moment. There's a quote out there basically saying they're not quite ready. So given the fact that the game was two or three days ago, Pep said he'd make changes. At the moment, I've done Diaz in for Akanji, but it could quite easily be Ake or Stones. I don't think anyone's going to be buying those guys anyway, but it's just to make people aware of the risk areas. You already touched on the De Bruyne one. I think he will start, but it is a very short turnover. So I could have it at like an 85% chance he plays, but I think there's a very, very slight doubt on him. But yeah, other than that, I think we're fine. I think Foden comes back in. I don't think that's under under question. I think Haaland will start again. And like you say, probably 60, 70 minutes, depending on how they're playing. But yeah, I think it's relatively simple, famous last words. I got 11 out of 11 last week, Sam, by the way. I do. Which one do, which one do you think you're more likely to commit to right now? I think it will probably more likely be the one on the left. I would, I would prefer hmm. the one on the right, personally, but I think it will be the one on the left. And... Um... In terms of Foden, do you think there's a particular reason why he didn't play midweek? Um, I just think, well, for, Grealish is back for for a start and he talks about control all the time and Grealish does offer that control. And I think in a Champions League game you know, where you want to keep hold of the ball and not have uh, the team counter on you regularly, so to hold on to it, he's a good, he's a good shout um, to have for that reason. He didn't play very well. But the idea was there, I think. Um, at the end of the day, they, had, they didn't have Diaz. You know, they had Ake just come back really from injury. Akanji, we're not 100% sure what his levels are, really. He got stones at right back. I think it makes more sense to try and not have as many turnovers where, as good as Foden is, there'll be more turnovers in the game if Foden's playing compared to Grealish. Like, that's just a bottom line. That's definitely going to happen. Similar to Mares, he tries to play him because, he, as he calls it, he pauses on the ball a little bit. Both of them played like trash, and as soon as they changed to the other guys, it was better. But obviously, they were chasing the game at that point. That's why I think I can't imagine Grealish and and uh, Mares are going to play this week. Grealish has got a slight chance. I don't think Mares has got any chance. Um, but yeah. yeah, I think Foden comes back in. I think it was just uh, as ever with Pep. He did it for that game. He did it for that game for a reason. Um, and I think yeah, these teams look fairly likely to me. But 
just have to bear in mind yeah. it is a short turnaround. So, and remind you in your in your team, if you're a wildcard team, you have Cancelo. I've got Cancelo. Yeah, if I was to yeah, do the premium one, I would lose Cancelo. And I think there is yeah, a, that's, mm. again with Cancelo. What we talk about, how good was he again? I know obviously everyone saw the assist, which was utterly ridiculous. Um, you know, but if anything, I mean, when people score like a forty-yard goal or whatever, it shouldn't make you want to put them in the team. It's highly unlikely they'll repeat that. You could almost argue the same for Cancelo's assist. But I think in general, he was just very offensive again. He, people have quoted his low XGI so far this season, but he's right near the top of the points if you want to go via that way again. He's right near the top for the defenders. He's playing for the best defence. He's the most nailed guy. And I think game to game, his role changes. And I just think that you're asking for trouble if you don't have him because he could easily just be left wing, he could be right wing, he can do whatever, and suddenly he's yeah. he's a great option again. So I, that's the, one of the main reasons I wouldn't want to do Threemium is I'd probably have to lose Cancelo, and that hurts me deep inside yeah 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 of course i think i'm um, like uh i think this will be a really interesting feature like in a few weeks when we get to city playing liverpool and then blanking and then bringing man cities back in that week after mm. and that's when it'll become really interesting and because people will be there making decisions about that most people already know now who are wildcarding which city players they'll own most people just holding in cancelo um but yeah this is interesting for people who might like go for foden Oh, have you considered that? Because you could fit him in in terms of instead of Saka or Madison in that kind of role. Yeah, because I've got De Bruyne at the moment, so I've got triple City, haven't I? So if I was to switch De Bruyne to the Kane, and, oh, of course, yeah, of course, yeah. But if I was to do, if I was to switch it to Kane and take out Tony, then I have yeah. that Liverpool, um, that Man City spot free. So rather than then put in Saka, I could put in Foden. Like I think he'll start this game. The one thing with Foden, I always say he he generally plays when he's available, and I think that will continue. But now Grealish is back. The main position he plays in the team is left wing, which is also the main position Grealish plays. So, to me, there is no doubt that Grealish will play left wing in some games, especially the games where he favours to have control. So, straight away, Foden's position is a little bit threat. However, in those games, I think it is also most likely that Foden would then just switch to the right wing. So, I don't think it's affected too much, but it's affected a little bit, if you know what I mean. And just having that little bit probably pushes it to the point where I'm not sure whether you'd have him compared to some of the other options. But that's... Mm. That's all. Because as soon as he switches to right wing, if Grealish does play, you're competing with Alvarez, Bernardo Silva, Mares. You know, all, there's three or four players that can play in that right wing spot, and it's been the position that's changed the most. So you're risking it. I do think, in general, though, Foden's going to play. So you're going to pick him. Oh, fair enough, mate. I think Haaland's going to be rested. What this week? <laughs> no, I don't really. He could just, be just, could, just, just, just fear <laughs> Well, he could be versus again Southampton. The fact that I've said that it's going to happen to De Bruyne, I think people have just written off the fact now because Haaland did play in these few games that suddenly Haaland's just nailed and he's definitely going to play. It's in between mm. two Champions League games. Um, I think there's a small chance. Again, it's a, it's a high risk game for me. The problem is that because Copenhagen, like we've mentioned, is just probably not the best team, and the fact they'll be on nine points if they beat them in the first one probably saves him. But I think if those two teams were, I don't know, say Real Madrid and PSG or whatever, either side, there might be a different conversation probably. But yeah, yeah. Still, still a little bit of a risk that week, I would say. Yeah, and that's it goes back to what you said earlier about we're trying to buy players for the future, aren't we? And we probably learned a bit more about Haaland in terms of he's more nailed than probably most of us thought. But ultimately, like that. It's not changed that one of the reasons he joined City was to because he can be rotated more. So it will come eventually. <laughs> it, it will. Um, the same as De Bruyne and like, happened the against Forrest. Yes. But that's the reason I'm captaining Kane this week. Not because I think he'll be rested, but because, again, I think his minutes will be more like 60, maybe 70. And again, he could play 90 again and I'll be completely wrong. But that's one of the main reasons I'm happy to go Kane again this week. But after this, I'll be captaining Holland for the next two. Definitely. Mm, yeah that's also part of the reason why I don't want to get Kane because then I'll feel inclined to captain him and I kind of still want to captain Harland that's the the, pitchfork moment pitchfork moment yeah bringing emotion (laughs) into it shouldn't do that Um, have we got any questions to ask now how long have we been going Uh, we're going for an hour so we've got a few time for some questions there's been a few in the chat as well um, if you want to look at them yep um, let's have a look in the chat so I'm just getting the the Twitter one uh, Twitter up now Someone says start Madison or Andreas this week. Interesting. Um, I'd start Madison personally. Yeah, I would start Madison as well. And do we know if Madison's on penalties when Vardy's not playing? Um, I doubt it because I think Ignacio takes them and he'd probably be playing if Vardy wasn't. So, no, I wouldn't have said so. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and Tielemans can take penalties as well. I'm just going through the questions a lot than we've already answered as we as we've as we've gone. Uh, okay, so this one from Mark at FPL Positivity. Our wild card is walking to a trap by going without Liverpool players and the 75% owned Jesus in order to stock up on players from teams in the bottom half of the table. It's a very leading question. <laughs> <laughs> He's already decided there, hasn't he? Yeah. It's called FPL positivity, I've noticed as well. Brilliant. Uh, I wouldn't say a trap. I think the whole thing with Liverpool, again, it's not the form for me. It's the fact that if you were able to pick a, a team from this point, um, considering they blank and their fixtures are now quite tough, it gives you the opportunity to go elsewhere. So I wouldn't say a trap. Do I expect Liverpool to perform as soon as they're back on the pitch and playing? Yes, I've said that multiple times. And I think it's important to have maybe a plan in your mind how you can go back there. I wouldn't say that's a trap. I think the Jesus one is a fair point. I think losing Jesus makes sense again because of the bank coming up the fixtures. But um, will it, could he destroy me versus Brentford? Absolutely. I think he, you know, I'd love to have him in my team. I just don't know how to fit him in in this plan. Um, yeah, there's nothing else really for me to say on that. Yeah, that was a frustrating one for me because I he, I took him out in game week seven for Mitrovic. Um, my thought process was either no games would happen and then I wouldn't own him for his tougher fixture next week or all the London games would be off. Um, all the, yeah, I thought all the London games would be off or they'd all be on. Uh, but then the fact that I took him out instead of uh, taking out uh, Trent instead last week was a little bit frustrating because I'm fully expecting Jesus to punish me now. Um which is which would be very frustrating. Um, I've covered that. Is Salah worth keeping if perma captain Haaland and or very rarely captaining Salah? Bear in mind he may be lower than four percent owned come this weekend. Yeah, it's basically is Salah worth keeping, given the fact that we're not going to be captaining as much. Oh, as much. That's come from at Lee G at Lee J Wee. Um, Lee J Wee. Yeah. yeah, you go first for that one. Um, I think. I, yeah, I wouldn't own him if I was if this is coming from a wild card this week. I wouldn't own him. Uh, if I was wild card in nine, I think I'd probably go with him actually, and I'd be even be like I, I would captain Holland, I think. But Salah's got Brighton next week, which is nice. Um, so I would be, yeah, I think I would. Yeah, he's got Brighton and Arsenal before City, so I would be tempted to go with on game week nine. But it's easy for me to say the to say that now, <laughs> without being in that situation. Um, if you're going to lose them at some point, like now's their short, very short period to do it. But I'd be very, I'd be fully prepared to bring him back in after that Man City game. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's worth losing. If you're not going to captain a player who's 13 million, then fair enough. I think there's definitely an argument to be had. But I would consider captaining him in the games after when I bring him back. So for me, there's not a conversation to be had because I still will consider captaining him. If you don't think he's ever going to be worth that, or you're not going to captain. Then yeah, don't spend thirty million player million pounds on a player you're not going to going to captain. I think that's pretty much the answer, isn't it? I I think it's always nice to, although like a one em draft is is often quite good. If that if that one guy has a bad like a terrible fixture or gets injured or something suddenly, it does cause you problems. And I do think it's quite it, it helps. I think to have that second one that you can look at um, and and obviously go to if, if anything you know occurs. Yeah, Haaland could easily just get injured very soon. He's obviously got a massive history of that happening. Could happen this week and suddenly everything throws out. So I think it's important to try and have two in your team. Um, although you know, you, you could just switch to Kane, but some a lot of people actually have Kane and Haaland at the moment. So where would you even switch him to? Yeah, I think yeah, I think one em one em such a weird word. Premium one, premium. No, don't mess with it. It's, it's an established order. It's one one, 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 one. No one ever, no even mentions double them or whatever the hell it would be. It's one of them and three premium. I don't even know. Premium, it's just like premium. two's just the accepted default, I think. Premium. Yeah, I can't think of a pun for two. Um, uh, yeah, let's do two more questions. There's one in the chat that says, how big an advantage do you think the wildcard in nine will have over wildcard in eight moving forwards? Pretty big difference or relative in, relatively insignificant? Um, I think, yeah, I think a small difference. I think your wildcard will look different if you wildcard in nine generally, but you're probably only talking two or three players different. Um, so I don't think, don't, don't think a massive difference. I think for most people, if they're thinking about wildcarding, again, not quite everyone, but for the vast majority, you might as well do it now. Yeah, when, when I ran this through review myself, it it had eight slightly higher than nine, but, but that's because there's lots of teams that blank. Um, if that wasn't the case, I still think nine would have been the better one. Yeah, I don't think mm. there'll be that much difference between them. There'll be a few players here or there. 
um, but it was EV positive for me to do it in eight rather than nine. I think that'll be the case for, like we said, right at the start, the vast majority of the player base if they've got that left. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that. Um, Marinda says as well, is Richarlison Kulu not worth a look as a placeholder for Zaha? Um, again, let's take it, let's take it as an assumption that we get this leak from Paul O'Keefe and one of those is playing. I'd say maybe, but I think other than that, it's too risky. Kulu's been benched for three games in a row now, right? As we don't, mm. we don't know for sure he'll just come back in. And likewise with Richarlison, it could just easily be Kulu and Son, I guess. So you kind of have to rely on that lineup. And then it's only really this week, isn't it? I think next next week, who are Spurs playing? Is it a way to let me bring up the fixtures? A way to Brighton? Have I made that up? Uh, they've got Leicester, then Arsenal. Is oh, Arsenal then Brighton? Brighton? Yeah. yeah. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't particularly want them for that fixture, to be honest with you. <laughs> so I'd probably say no on that. Personally, I think you either start with Zaha or this, or maybe there's other other players that I prefer just a little bit long term. Yeah, yeah. Wm. Uh, okay. Wm. It's been called by Farnell. Wm. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, just to finish, we'll do this one from Twitter. Uh, why, why is review so far up Ward, Iverson, Kufel, and Suchek's arse? <laughs> why does why does review love those players? Uh, oh, I think it, like, it, it does like it does like Ward and Iverson right now, but basically the, the simple answer is fixtures and value. So, like, if Leicester happened to have these fixtures they've got from game week nine at the beginning of the season. They might, we might all be saying, oh, it's a no-brainer to earn them both because they might have got one, even if they got one clean sheet in that time and a few more save points or two, you know, uh, it would seem obvious. So the main reason for them is is, uh, is fixtures and uh, and value. And then it reminds you of Matip, doesn't it? Um, Review absolutely loves Matip, but I've, I've even used it and like had him on as one of those players I exclude mm. and then they inevitably don't go with them and then he scores like three goals in his next five games. I think he was like the highest scorer in the game for like the last 10 weeks or something stupid. It was, it was yeah. mental. Uh, yeah, it's, it's value in fixtures, Jack. That was Jack Walker who said that. I'm, I'm with you as well. This is where the human element comes in. I probably wouldn't want that. But I think Kufal's a fine pick. I also think Suchek's right. okay. But um, it, it's just the heavy weighting on fixtures and historical data. Yeah. Yeah, fairly straightforward, I think, with that one. Stephen Moore, is Diaz a safe option on wildcard if you can't stretch to Cancelo? Um, I think he's relatively safe. I think he's probably the next safest player in the Man City defence, but um, you just have to, to bear in mind that he, he can drop him. Like So I I don't particularly like it that much. You know, Stones played against Dortmund. We've got Laporte coming back soon, who I think would be the second pick. I think once Laporte's fit and firing, I think that he will be the, the option to go to in that defence. I think he'll come straight in as the left-sided centre-back. Obviously showed last season he's got a real goal for it. To be honest, he's been a mainstay in Man City's team ever since he's been here, apart from the one season where he was injured for the most of it and then he was going to leave. Outside of that, he's pretty much played when he's available. Um, so yeah, yeah I, th- I like Laporte quite a lot. We've got oh, we've got another question that's identical to the previous one, Madison or Andreas. First, the same person, Matthew Theron. You must have popped the toilet <laughs> at the wrong time. Yeah, uh, we answered you before. <laughs> Madison, we, Madison. We both start Madison. We can't yeah. sort. We did the intro three times though, so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, chaotic. Nightmare. Forgetting to do the review fixtures all over the place, mate. Absolutely. Review, good. review transfers. I mean, the well, review team. We've been off for a month though, so you can forgive us for being a little bit rusty. Right, I think we should wrap it up there, Sam. Have you got anything else at all you mm. want to say, mate? Uh, no. I Captain Kane. <laughs> yeah, I'm off to switch Kane back into my team. I think. Uh, thanks for joining in, guys. Shares, likes, all that good stuff is appreciated. Comments. I think we're not too far off a thousand subscribers. I know we don't do the best job of promoting this pod. I think me and Sam are probably the laziest content producers out there. We just kind of do it when it suits us and don't really put much effort in. So we're asking you lot to do the effort for us. If you could, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, We shall catch you, hopefully, on the next one next week.